welcome back everyone to the tortured fan bases podcast your home for all things biased baseball i am as always will how you doing man you butchered that i am as always will how you doing man i was look i was giving you the floor all right <laughs> okay well we'll try to say i'm gonna let you will. introduce yourself you know? <laughs> equal opportunity here hey fair enough that's will i'm noah thanks for joining us again uh this is a continuation of our be the gm series uh we spent the last episode talking about the reds uh we're gonna be moving on to my team the twins this is uh emphasizing the biased baseball banter part of our slogan um so remember last last podcast we were we were covering what we would do as the GM of this team we uh, we looked at the Reds we looked at their pitchers their hitters and we were like yeah you know I'd do this I'd do that we're gonna do the same thing here with the Twins um, there might be a few more hot takes just because the team is a little closer to competition and you know more tweaks are gonna be made and also the front office has made a move in the last 48 hours since recording this podcast. And I'm like, what are we, what are, what are we doing here? Have they, what'd they do? We signed Donovan Solano. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Hey, just Bro, we don't have room. more like, former reds. Yeah. I'll, uh, we'll get into what I think is going to happen <laughs> a little later, but when we signed him, I was like, okay, you know, minor league deal. That's fine. It's a major league deal with a guarantee. I don't know what we're doing. I don't I, I've gotten I've gotten way too upset about this is what I've realized like the level of upset I should be about a bench player is you know pretty low I am I'm racing at this I'm well, just so pissed off at what we did this here's the thing I do I, we we do have some that does bring up some other questions right I have one big question that we'll get to but uh let's let's jump right in it you want to start with the rotation first or the the hitters let's, let's start with hitters i i okay. like the hitters a little more let's look we'll start with uh with catchers too so the twins last year were trotting out gary sanchez and ryan jeffers and ryan jeffers was kind of the catcher of the future you know drafted him in the second round after it was out of umc willing Will, wilmington a couple years ago he's he's more of a hitter uh but he struggled last year he was he was hurt he did not play well and then uh, he missed a couple months with injury and so gary sanchez had to step in and the Gary Sanchez of last year is not the Gary Sanchez of 2019 when he was just mashing the ball. Um, he was not good. Uh, and so we went out this year and we had to spend. We don't have a catcher in the upper minors. We don't have anybody that can step in and fill the, the starter sheets. So we got Christian Vasquez, second best catcher in the market. Um, I think he's going to age pretty well. We detailed him in the offseason video, but this is going to be like a 70-30 timeshare. Vasquez will play the majority of the innings with Jeffers contributing a little bit. They're both righties, and so there's no platoon advantage to it whatsoever. Um, but, you know, this is going to be probably pretty average position. Defense will be good from Vasquez, and it'll be okay from Jeffers. Um, basically, we just want catchers to not hurt the team. And I think we're, you know, we're doing all right there. I don't think we're going to win any games because of our catching, but we probably won't lose any games because of our catching either. Yeah. I mean, do you think that Jeffers, do you think his struggles were more that he was injured or more just acclimatizing to pro ball? You know, he's been up for long enough that I think he probably isn't as good a hitter as we thought he was going to be. He's been up since 2020. His development probably got a little stunted. Um, but, you know, he's 25. He's still got some projectability. You know, that just that batting average, sitting at 208 with a on-base percentage of 285. His OPS is 648. And OPS plus 86. Like, he's just, you know, the bat just might not play. And if you're going to be a no-bat hitter or no-bat catcher, you need to have amazing defense, a really good defense. And he just doesn't. Um Baseball reference is projecting him to be a little bit better this year, batting average up near 220. So he's going to hit it. He might end up hitting his weight. Um, maybe not, though. He's weighing 235, so that'll be a little tougher for him. Um, but 
you just need him to be average at this rate. Um, but I think they're going to rely heavily on Christian Vasquez. He got him for the next three years, and Jeffers is a good backup catcher. Yeah, I mean, if I, it, the growing trend, as we talked about in the last episode, is really having a catcher timeshare. I mean, just really making sure that you you keep some life in those knees, um, especially now that it's it's looking like having a really good offensive catcher is not going to be as important, right? The catcher framing is going away. So maybe you're just trying to get as good a bat as you possibly can in the lineup as much as you can. So Yeah, that's true. Uh, what about uh, what about the infield? So the I know when we talked earlier a um, few episodes about the Twins offseason, you noted that hey, once Luis Arise is gone, that opens up Alex Kirilov to go to first base. Is that probably who's going to be there? Is that who you would put there? Yeah, there's a really really big asterisk by his name, and that's that's his wrist. Um, I think it's his right wrist. He has had a number of surgeries, including an experimental surgery done on it last year after he missed the entire season or just just about the entire season. Um, and Derek Falvey came out and said, this is it. You know, if this surgery doesn't work, like this is his career's over. Um, he cannot play with his wrist the way it is if the surgery doesn't take. His uh, his peak, if this surgery takes and he gets back to normal, you know, maybe he's not going to be that 270, 290 hitter with 30 bombs like we thought he was going to, but he's going to be a solid guy, you know, probably about a 250 average, 25 taters a year, um, OPS plus of 120, 130. He's a bat that you want in the lineup. He's a bat that you can probably slot into the number three spot, number two spot type guy. He's not going to send 40 homers into the seats, but he will drive in runs. He will get on base. He's got a very disciplined approach. Uh, his defense isn't all the way there. Uh, it probably won't be because he was primarily corner outfielder. And so he's still working on getting you no know, first base, but not good at that. <laughs> right. And so maybe, you know, if you've got the athleticism to play outfield, maybe he's got the athleticism to play a pretty good first base, but given that Luis Arias was playing at first base and he's not a good defender, we're not really losing much. Uh, and we might be still okay. As far as the offense is concerned, I don't expect a four war season out of him, but if he puts up a two war season, uh, I'd be pretty happy with him. Yeah. Is there anybody else that might play there? Cause he's, you know, He's probably not going to play every single game. Is there anybody else that's probably going to be slotted into first base at some point? Yeah, and this is going to play into my DH bit too, but I see Joey Gallo playing there as well. Um, they're basically going to want to – they've got five starting outfielders on the roster right now, and they need to find a way to work them all into the lineup. And you can start an additional outfielder if you're giving Alex Kirilov a day off and you're throwing a guy on the first base like Joey Gallo. Um, so that would be my projection that Joey Gallo is going to play a little bit of first base, but he's primarily going to be in left field. Uh, moving on, though, second base, we've got Jorge Polanco. Um, he's another guy with some question marks on his health. He's had some ankle injuries. He's had a number of surgeries done pretty much every single year. He's very productive when he's healthy. And if he can stay healthy, then, you know, great. You've got a really good second baseman. He provides adequate defense and pretty good offense. Um, I'm not entirely sure what his peak is, but it's probably not all-star, you know, three, four war player. He's probably, or five war. He's probably about a two or three war player, which is good. You're not paying him a ton of money. Um, second base is what it is. Third base is going to be Jose Miranda. Uh, he had a pretty good rookie season, a little streaky. You know, he came up and struggled, got sent down, came back and ap- came back up and absolutely raked until the end of the year. Um, but, you know, he's going to continue to improve. Um, I would imagine his OPS plus is going to be about 120 or so. So 20% above league average His defense won't be great. Um, so he's going to primarily contribute with the bat, but he's got some talent and he's still pretty young and he's still developing and he's got wonderful gap to gap power and he can put the ball in the seats as well. So I do have a question about third base. 
Yes. Jose Miranda. I, I really like Jose Miranda. Carlos Correa also likes Jose Miranda. He was last year, he was really vying for him to stay up at the big league level. Mm-hmm. So he's got something good going on. There also might be somebody else who might have something good going on. Where's yes. Royce Lewis going to play when he's healthy? That's a great question. Uh, and this is the fun thing about having a talented team. Sorry about the Reds. Uh, we have a log wow. jam. Wow. Yeah, I had to, I had to do it. It's more that's, of an indictment on the Reds than that's you. Um, that's Well, you know, I, I live and die with the Reds. so That's you know. true. But there's a lot of different options for us at third base. Um, our top prospect, depending on who you talk to, is going to be Royce Lewis or Brooks Lee. And both of them project as, you know, shortstop their basement. And so if Jose Miranda is struggling, uh, I don't think he has a long leash. I really don't. Uh, if Brooks Lee goes to double and triple A and performs like he did last year as an advanced college bat, I think we see him in the majors pushing Jose Miranda for playing time. I think we're going to see Jorge Polanco get pushed for playing time as well. Because um, I really think that I think the upside of Royce Lewis and Brooks Lee is a lot more than Jorge Polanco and probably a little bit more than Jose Miranda, too. Um, so I, in an ideal world, both those guys pan out and Polanco gets traded away. You know, he's 29, 30. He's kind of getting up there in years. He's been in the big leagues 10 years somehow. Cause the twins called him up when he was a 19 year old in single a good year, um, good career. That's solid. Yeah, a great career. And he's a great guy, a great leader to have on the team, but you know, the, the youth movement's kind of in the infield. You've got an Alex Kirloff who's still pretty young. And then, you know, Brooks Lee and Royce Lewis pushing Jose Miranda and Jorge Polanco. And you're just getting younger and younger. Yeah, I mean, I I think everywhere that you look, Royce Lewis is still projected as a shortstop. He's coming off two serious leg injuries. I don't know how long he's going to stay there, just based off mobility. Yeah, and and I think second base might be a little easier, uh, less to do in the mobility side. It also requires a lot of mobility. That's not an easy position either. But it's a little less than shortstop. Third base might end up being his long-term defensive home. He's got the arm for it. He's got a better arm than Jose Miranda, and I think his range is still going to be a little bit better. Uh, they also talked a lot about center field for him, and I think there could be a long-term home there if he can still move. Which that, is that's a, that's a way to cut down a leg injury. Just put him in center field, the the most demanding <laughs> defensive position. That's what they're still saying, though. I mean, you know, the thing to say about Royce Lewis is this dude has plus-plus makeup. Oh, he's got um, huge upside. Huge upside, but he's also just an amazing human being. Like, everyone that's around Royce Lewis falls in love with Royce Lewis. Through every single setback that this guy has had, he's taken it with a smile on his face. If you ever want to listen to one of those uplifting people ever, listen to any interview with Royce Lewis. This man has had a year lost to COVID, two years lost to injury, heartbreaking ACL tear after a month of being productive in the big leagues, and he's still smiling about it. Hey, I'm excited. Listen, if things had gone differently, Royce Lewis would be a Cincinnati Red, and Hunter Green would be a a Minnesota Twin. So I like Royce Lewis. But I love Royce Lewis. Uh, I yeah, think he's no, gonna I, be a. I think he's gonna be a dude. Um, and so him working yeah, back from the just, ACL is gonna be a wild part time. of this team. You know, and him yeah. Work, yeah, him working back at like midseason. That's a great trade deadline acquisition that you're not paying for right there. If you got a guy that's do you know when he's supposed to be back? It's about midseason, probably about July. He yeah, tore his he, ACL in about May or June, and so yeah. you know, considering 12, 13 months, if he's putting a uniform back on by July, I think I'll be pretty pleased with that. I think that's the expectation. But if you've got a guy like Jorge Blanco, if he's still hurt and struggling. You got Royce Lewis to stick in there at second base. That is a great trade trade deadline acquisition that you don't have to pay for. Yeah. And did did you know, I did not know until not that recently, you know who Jose Miranda's cousin is? Lin-Manuel Miranda. Right? I didn't know that. That's wild. (laughs) 
that's a that's yeah, they were they were talking about a lot when family. he was coming up yeah it's a great great cousin to have so actually we were in new york playing the yankees i'm hoping he got tickets to hamilton i really well, lin-manuel miranda was in town and so they got dinner and they like posted a selfie and he came to the game the next day i think it was it was pretty freaking cool it's sick man but fun carlos correa and jose miranda story uh so last year towards the end of the year jose miranda was kind of you know yeah, he, he was, was he was tailing off he was tailing off and so carlos correa pulled him aside he's like i barely got to work in your conditioning uh and Miranda's always been a guy that's you know he's not like heavy but he's not going to be like the slimmest guy out there um and he came to camp this year and Carlos Correa looks at some of the media members he's like oh you I, I saw his that body that dude I saw is that. sexy yeah I, was like, oh, I saw that which goodness. all of those things are weird like I I, I believe about 10 percent of the this spring training stuff of the he's in the best shape of his life or he's looking really good or he's really impressing. I, I believe about 10% of that, but that one was really wild. He was just like, yeah, he looks hot. He's sexy. <laughs> it was amazing. I think his wife was sitting next to him when he was saying that too. That's awesome. They, they, they seem to really like each other. Cause I remember whenever last year, whenever he was struggling some Carlos Correa was really pushing for him to stay on the roster. That's so, true. Well, Carlos Correa has a really fun role here. I mean, he's not just, you know, one of the two I mean, best he, players on the Minnesota he's your, Twins. He's your veteran leader now. He is. And, you know, all respect to Byron Buxton, I think this is Correa's team. Um, just the consistency well, that Correa's been able to put up on the diamond and stand on the field. Um, this is Correa's team. And I think the young Latin players especially just took to him. Um, you know, it, it hurt to see Varias go because he had he and Correa had such a bond. He's taken to Miranda. He's taken these young Latin kids, and he's mentoring them. And that's awesome because we've got some really, really stud prospects from Latin America coming up in the system and they have a guy like Carlos Correa to look up to for the next six to 10 years of their career. Uh, I think that's going to have a great, great effect on the development of these guys. And Carlos Correa is still going to stay incredibly productive. I mean, I'm thinking OPS plus of anywhere from 130 to 140. I think his you know, dip in defense yesterday, last year was a bit of an aberration. Uh, he still had some pretty strong secondary numbers. You know, it's just like yeah, the outs above the down. Excellent he's defensive still side. excellent. Maybe not platinum glove level, but he's still, you know, gold glove level defender. Uh, and that's, he's going to lock down shortstop for a while. And this is, you know, this is probably one of the most excited I've been for twins infield since we were rolling out the days of Justin Morneau at first base and Joe Maurer at catcher. And um, I think it was Kadai, it was a Kadair at third or something like that, but this is going to be a pretty good twins infield. Um, defense should be much improved. Um, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. I mean, I, I, one of the things that kind of bothers me about talking about shortstops is especially long-term deals is what's the question everyone asks you when can they no longer play shortstop? Cause it's a really demanding position. It's a fair question. And I think like just based off of Carlos Correa's build and what he's shown so far, he's probably the candidate who's least likely to move off a shortstop yeah, or at I mean, least was, save it off for the longest. He was a guy that kind of re helped rethink what, what a shortstop could be. Oh, absolutely. He's, He's not he's not slender. He's not oh, he's skinny. Did. He's not he's short. Good, Six four two twenty, and he is just an incredible athlete. Um, and he stayed on shortstop, and he is he went from being pretty average shortstop defensively to being the best in the league. And so you know his decline right now, uh, it's going to take him a while before uh, he's a bad defender the, at short. Don't say the D word. Don't say the D word. We're not talking about that. <laughs> but yeah, that's fair. But if we're, we're talking about that, this like, year, not future. You know, he's how many? How old is he this year? He's he's probably he's entered 28? his twenty eight or twenty nine season. I would not think he's going to be moved off shortstop until his guaranteed seasons are over. I think the first time they look at moving him off shortstop, unless we have a guy that just comes up and is a better shortstop defensively, um, I, I think we'll probably think about moving him off his age thirty five season when he goes in that first player option or team option. 
Wait, um, you're telling me Donovan Solano's not your shortstop of the future? Okay. Okay, let's talk about Donovan Solano. Let's talk about <laughs> what the Twins front office is doing. So the beginning of the offseason, we go out and we trade for Kyle Farmer. We become the Reds Northwest. You already um, were the Reds North. We were, and we just doubled down on that again. I don't know how Donovan Solano fits on this roster. Maybe. I don't know. You need like, backup infielders, baby. But we have backup infielders. Like, we have Nick Gordon, and Not we enough. have Kyle Farmer. Like, which of them is going to go? Nick Gordon's out of options. Kyle Farmer's 32. Like, I feel like we're replacing Kyle Farmer, but he's got a guaranteed salary this year. Kyle so Farmer we're losing gets, too, so he, he's, an, he's an ultra. He's right. A, well, di- so was Solano an actual signing, or was he like a non-roster invite kind of guy? No, major league deal. Oh, Yeah. I don't. I don't really know what you see in him. He wasn't that. I don't either. He was like, he's not awful, right? You know, he's a better hitter than Kyle Farmer. He's He's a major league. I mean, he's a, he's a major league hitter, but I don't. Well, he's, he's, he's league average. Kyle Farmer's below league average. Donovan Solano is at league average. So I'm going to be interested to see. Yeah, but Kyle Farmer was also playing short most of the year. So that's true, but let's see what they're paying him. Cause they still haven't released that as of recording this podcast. It's going to be a lot. I don't understand the fit on this roster. And, you know, if I'm getting upset about a backup infielder, it's a pretty good roster, right? But I feel like we're going to lose a talented player. And I really don't want to lose Nick Gordon. And you'll see that my bench right now. Uh, I'm keeping Nick Gordon because he is a fun player to watch. And he is very, very versatile. He'll play second. He'll play short. And he'll play outfield pretty well. Um, But Donovan Solano, when they signed him, I just, I couldn't believe it. I still can't wrap my head around it. I'm going to trust Derek Falvey and Thad Levine because, again, I don't work in baseball. Um, But maybe someone's not healthy. Maybe someone is, you know, not looking great in the first week of spring training. Uh, I just didn't understand that signing. Yeah, he's just buying every red he possibly can. That's all he's doing. Maybe you, you can honestly, I'll give you a Twins hat. You can cheer for the Twins this year just for the Reds players. I have multiple teams I could I could cheer for the Mariners, I could cheer for the Brewers, I could cheer for the Twins. All three of them are are have a, a good amount of reds. I could cheer for any of them. Right. I mean I wouldn't I'd cheer for Otani and Trout, but that's a whole different thing. That's right. Well let me let's let's do my first hot take here. Um my first right. hot take is our left fielder, Joey Gallo. Uh I forget if he's playing left or right. They keep juggling all that around. He's probably gonna play left though. Kepler's a right fielder. I think he's gonna be DFA'd by July. Really? Um I mean that, yeah. that's that's understandable he's yeah. he's got some serious risk right um and i don't think he really fits on the roster anymore i think that we've got some pop we don't have joey gallo type of pop uh but, but i think we need players that can get on base and players that can hit joey gallo has not really shown that he can translate that pop anymore right he, he so was I'm, all it was always fine where he would strike out about 40 percent of the time but he'd hit enough home runs for it to work that's not the case anymore mm-hmm. i so mean I he, think, he can project to hit a lot of home runs but he just hasn't by July, I think he's off the roster. Um, we have a guy named Trevor Larnick in the upper echelon of our minors. He was a top prospect. He got hurt last year with a groin injury, I think. And, you know, it took him a while to recover from a pretty major surgery or a core surgery or whatever it was. Doesn't matter. I think he's going to have a good season in the upper minors, and they're going to be forced to play their hand. And with Joey Gallo hitting 150 uh, with five home runs near the All-Star break, I think they're just going to jettison him like they should. Um, this is too talented a roster to keep a guy on that's not performing well, especially when you have as much talent as you do. And I just, you know, this could blow up in my face and Joey Gallo could have an amazing season. I just don't see it happening. Um, There's a lot of talented pitchers that he's going to have to face in the American league. And especially when in the AL central, you know, Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech, Dylan Cease, just 
just in the White Sox, and don't get me started on the uh, Guardians roster and their pitchers. I just don't see this as a great fit for Joey Gallo. I think he's gone soon. That's fair. Um, what about Larnack? I know we didn't talk about him in the uh, the off season preview. What what's the rub on Trevor Larnack? What's what's well, he, he is, like? He is an analytical darling, and so he was he was part of the Oregon State team that won the World World Series, College World Series, a couple years ago. Uh, we drafted him twentieth overall. And his whole thing is like he understands baseball and his baseball IQ is incredible. He was pretty average in college. And then he spent an entire offseason just like refining his approach and watching so much video. And he turned into a stud in a first round draft pick. And so this guy just understands hitting and understands baseball at a very high level. He just has been hampered with injuries. Uh, when he's been healthy, he's, he's smacking the ball. He's got great gap to gap power, great opposite field swing. He's able to use all areas of the field he's not just a pull guy because he understands how to hit um he just hasn't stayed healthy and if he's able to stay healthy you've got another solid left fielder right fielder he's kind of an alex kirloff clone uh his ceiling is probably a little lower than alex kirloff if kirloff's healthy uh, but he's a great corner outfielder half defense is not there you know you're going to be losing something defensively when you go gallo to larnick uh, but i think offensively you're going to gain quite a bit from him to to larnick Cool. We'll, we'll see how that works out. I, I think Joey Gallo will stick around a little bit longer. But, you know, if they happen to to do that and he's gone by July, the Twins now, now that they've decided they are in and they're going to try and win, they now are trade candidates. So mm-hmm. they might bring somebody in. There's going to be more than enough good outfielders. Right. And we do, But the nice thing is we don't have to do that. We have so much internal talent. And outside of a Trevor Larnick, there's a guy like Matt Warner, who's been the minor league player of the year last year, and I think the year before, who just hits the cover off the ball. Um, so you're, the cover isn't bare. Uh, a guy like Edouard Julian could also play the outfield in a pinch, but he is terrible defensively everywhere he goes, but he can just hit. Uh, so there's, there's, there's some top prospects that can step in and put some innings out in left field and in right field if need be. Uh, and so we're not going to be forced to go outside the organization and swing a trade and give up a top prospect to get a rental, which is a really nice position to be in. Oh, yeah. And you know what else is also a good position to be in? It doesn't matter what the def- what the defense in left field looks like. you got Byron Buxton in center and Michael and Taylor. You Michael got, Taylor. you got some pretty solid defensive center fielders. So I, we have two of the top five defensive center fielders in baseball, in my opinion. I would That's go Buxton at one tough. and Taylor at like yeah. four. Uh, I know you disagree with that, which is fair. No, 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 no. I would disagree with it. Well, there's a lot of really Who's good. Who's the guy that you love, that Blue Jay? I mean, who would I put at number one? Who is that Blue Jay you're talking about? Was it a Blue Jay, that, that center fielder? I mean, George Springer's playing in center field with the Blue Jays now. Oh, might not have been him, but there was a, there was another defensive center fielder you're talking about that you fell in love with. But anyways, Byron Buxton. There's a lot of good defensive center fielders. There are two of the best. Um, the issue with Byron Buxton obviously is his health, and so I think he's going to play fifty fifty center field DH, which you know he doesn't get hurt in the field. He gets hurt hitting, and so I don't really know. You know that could change, but I, I think they're going to want to keep him healthy, which is fair. And so you get one of the you probably get the best fourth outfielder in baseball if we're honest because he can start for a number of teams um, who's not going to contribute much offensively uh, but he's going to be great defensively and so you're not going to have a drop off because we would Byron Buxton was hurt you're throwing a converted second baseman out there Nick Gordon and you know peace and love to Nick Gordon but he's not Byron Buxton Um, Michael A. Taylor is kind of Byron Buxton so there's going to be good defense in center field um, Michael Taylor's not going to hit much, but Byron Buxton, if he stays healthy, he is 
dangerous. He put it all together two years ago, and oh my goodness, he's fun. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the story is pretty much set with him. If he's on the field, he's a top five player in baseball, not even a question. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't he's top get on five, the and he's not one through four, or he's not two through five. Um, I think well. he's fully healthy. I think he can, can he can battle Mike Trout. Yeah, he, um, well, yeah, because Mike Trout's old now. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, three years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. But right now, if he's fully healthy and performing, uh, I think he's the best player in baseball. Good. And we're paying him. Yeah, I'm a homer, Good. dude. I'm biased. You think he's better than Otani? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. Otani notwithstanding, because, you know, the starting pitcher aspect of that is crazy. Can I say best outfielder in baseball? Sure. You can say that. I will say, okay, I think that's less debatable. And, you know, Mookie Betts is also phenomenal, but Byron Buxton when he's healthy is different. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Right so, field, though, yeah, this we is got, an interesting one. It's a weird one. So you got uh, Max Kepler there right now, but all this offseason, the talk was about, are they going to move Max Kepler? What's he? Where's he going to go? What's he going to do? They didn't move him, but no. those talks are still lingering. I know, and so part of me is thinking maybe the Donovan Solano trade will somehow lead to Max Kepler getting dealt. You want? Are you, you know, saying you want to put Donovan Solano in right field? I don't know. I just feel like there's another move to be made with yeah. them adding Donovan Solano. Like they didn't just add him to not do anything. Like I think they added him to trade Kyle Farmer or something. I but don't want them to trade Max, Max Kepler. Kepler. What do you like? Who do you put? Who do you do you have anyone that's? I think they put Gallo in right, and they put Larnick in left. Because right now Larnick's going to AAA. Yeah, but what happens if what happens if exactly what you say happens and Gallo's gone by July? Who's playing there now? That's why I want them to hang on to Max Kepler. Like you do not find a outfielder that's as productive as Max Kepler is for the rate at which we're paying him. Uh, we're paying him for about one war of production, and his defense alone is usually worth two war. He is an elite defensive right fielder. Arm is great. His range is incredible. Dude catches everything. Um, his bat isn't awesome. I get it, but he's right around league average. Like, let's look at his. Uh, let's look at his WRC plus from this past year. Like, he is not the worst hitter in baseball. I mean, he's like, not gonna be the worst hitter in the Twins roster. You want I mean, line up ninety three is not great, but he's solid. still a two WAR player with being a below average hitter. Yeah, I mean, if you want a lineup full of above average hitters, you're gonna be running a Mets payroll or a Dodgers payroll. You're not running the Twins payroll. Right. And so I think you can do a lot worse than Max Kepler in right field. I really don't want them to trade him. They were, it, it seemed like everyone except for the Twins were convinced that it was going to happen. And every single podcast, podcast yeah, or tweet was like, and Kepler's that was go kind here, of, here. I think that was kind of when they were in that phase before the Correa thing happened, where everybody kind of realized if we don't keep Correa, we might just start tearing stuff down. That's true. And now but it's not, that could be, they've, Reverse that entirely. They're competing now. You got a superstar. You got a, a well, another superstar. We're competing yes, now, which is weird. So what, what it looks like is you're going to have some questions in the corners. Yes. Yes. I don't think that the corner outfielders, I think they have the potential to be changed by midseason. I, I really do. Um, I, I, I really hope Jelly Gallo pays out. Not confident in that. But I mean, this leads into the bench. Michael A. Taylor's locked in. He's on the bench. And I think Donovan Solano is locked in on the bench, too. If you're going to give him a major league deal this late, this late in the offseason, you want him. Uh, Ryan Jeffers, of course, is your backup catcher. And then Nick Gordon. This is going to put Trevor Larnick in AAA, getting every day at bats. Maybe that's the best thing for him, recovering from injury. Um, 
I really don't know how Kyle Farmer fits on this roster. I think he's going to get traded. Yeah. Um, this will lead us right into talking about the the bullpen. We'll move on to that next. Uh, we need relievers. You know, there's a couple guys. This is a pretty good bullpen, in my opinion. Um, but maybe you can get a reliever for Kyle Farmer. Uh, we've got some amazing relievers, man. Um, just like on Alexis Diaz, like we talked about last episode, Yohan Duran is one of the funnest pitchers to watch in baseball. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you got to – one of the, the weird things I have personally with bullpens is just how variable guys can be year to year. And the Twins, they got a lot of guys like that. They got mm-hmm. some potentially very good guys, but just a lot of variation there. That's Duran's, true. I think, is the only one who's probably the least – the, the most immune to that. Well, I'll give you a, I'll give you a fact here. Who, and this is a very, answer, very obvious answer, but who has the fastest off-speed pitch in MLB history? What are we categorizing as off-speed? Splitters. I would say it's probably Duran. It is. How fast do you think that pitch went? Probably 102, 103. It went 100 miles an hour. He throws a 100 mile an hour off-speed pitch. Well, for a while, they were counting cutters as off speed because they weren't technically fastballs disagree with that splitters are a little iffy but i mean a hundred miles an hour that's absolutely wild one of my favorite pitches is uh um man i can't remember his name now never mind i can't remember his name now if if it reminds you guys just throwing the 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 resurgence of the sinker has made me so happy and the fact that now guys are throwing him in the upper 90s is just... Jordan Hicks. It has to be Jordan Hicks. No, it's not Jordan, okay. not Jordan Hicks. Well, to the listeners, is good, the listener but... out there, um, please go watch Pitching Ninja on YouTube. Just just watch Pitching Ninja. He highlights all these kinds of pitches. It's absolutely absurd. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, moving, it's moving back to the bullpen, though, we really don't have too many dudes in the bullpen. We've got some okay guys. Caleb Thielbar, um, great story. He pitched for the Twins a while awesome ago. Um, yeah, great name. But his... Uh, his I think his... Uh, nickname is like meat sauce or something too <laughs> yeah he's he's the character uh but he pitched for the twins in like 2014 uh and then he fell off the table he did a couple minor league deals and then he was he was actually into coaching and then he was like you know what let's give this one more shot he redefines himself as a pitcher uh gets the fastball up a couple more ticks and develops a killer curveball twins re-sign him uh, he's been lights out for the last two years his numbers weren't there last year just because he had a really bad month uh, but the all-star break on, his ERA was below two. Uh, so he's really good. Emilio Pagan was the bane of Twins fans' existence last year. This guy gave me so many heart, more heart attacks than Fernando Rodney did back when we had him as our closer for a year. Not even a year, half a season because we traded him away. Um, Emilio Pagan lost us a bunch of games, but towards the end of the year, he turned his season around. He had a pretty good ending. Uh, Giovanni Moran is that kind of high upside reliever. He's got a really good changeup. Um, Trevor McGill, Griffin Jacks. Griffin Jacks moved from the starting rotation last year. Air Force captain. Uh, pretty cool story there. But he uh, he developed his slider a little more. Um, he's kind of that breakout guy. Could be a another, you know, Taylor Rogers type guy for Twins fans, but he's not going to be Joan Duran. Uh, but really, like, my only sleeper pick here is Ronnie Henriquez. Uh, we traded for him when we got him in the Mitch Garver deal. Really big, live fastball. Um, he had a cup of coffee with the team last year. So I, I, you know, bullpens are very volatile. The eight guys that you have at the starting at the start of the year are definitely not going to be the eight guys that you have two months into the season. Uh, I think there's probably like a core four here of guys, you know, Duran, Theobar, Pagan, and Jax. Uh, the other guys are going to be pretty variable. 
and I'm not too invested in any of them. But, you know, the top end of this bullpen is pretty darn good. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah, I mean, they, there's definitely some uh, some intrigue here. Is there anybody in the, like, maybe double A up, the, the higher minors that might be working their way in here? Do you have any really breakout guys that you'd be looking at? You know, I'll pull up a prospect list. We really don't, you know. Um, yeah, it, that's kind of what I'm have... There's not a whole lot of, of high-level reliever talent in there. No, there isn't. You know, there's some guys that if they don't pan out as a, as a starting pitcher, they could move back there. We did that with Griffin Jacks. Um, Matt Cantorino is probably the one guy I would look at. Um, he is, he's got a funky delivery. He's out of rice. He's a pretty solid starting pitcher that can't stay healthy, similar to John Duran. He also pumps triple digits. Uh, he's got a solid four pitch arsenal. Um, he'd be a guy that I'd look at getting uh, reliever type innings, especially if he can't break into the starting rotation. Cause as we'll talk about, there's some pretty decent starters there and there's some pretty decent depth. Uh, that would be my one guess as somebody that would contribute as a reliever, but otherwise um, we're going to be relying on outside signings. Uh, we really just don't have that good of depth in the upper minors for relievers. Yeah. Well, you know, that, that it, it's much easier to buy a bullpen than to make one. Mm-hmm. Speaking of depth, you do have some depth somewhere. Uh, I think the rotation is probably where you guys are shining right now, which honestly at the start of the off season was not the case, but right the, now the, you got some options. The rotation was always, has always been a struggle for the twins. I mean, in the end of the Terry Ryan years, we were consistently having ERA in the upper fives and we were out there trying Samuel DeDuno and JP Morgan, not JP Morgan, PJ something or another. You just, just guys that you're like, you know, I'm glad you got a shot. Cole DeVries is another one. And you're just kind of like, how did that guy ever pitch for a major league team? They got their cup of coffee. A couple more hometown guys, but it's like, I didn't understand it. We just never committed to building depth. You know, we try to have like a Johan Santana type guy. We try to acquire Irvin Santana, Jose Barrios, but we never acquired depth. We never developed depth. Um, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine have acquired and built depth in our starting rotation. So right now our starting five is Kenta Maeda, who we acquired via trade with the Dodgers. Sonny Gray, who we acquired via trade with the Reds. Tyler Molly, who we acquired via trade with the Reds. Pablo Lopez, who we acquired via trade with the Marlins. And Joe Ryan, who we acquired via trade with the Reds. Or excuse me, the Rays. Homegrown. So none of these guys are homegrown, but... <laughs> The depth is all homegrown, but the thing is, is they're, they're not trading for rentals, right? They're trading for starting pitchers who will give you a year and a half at a minimum in the form of Tyler Molly, Joe Ryan, we traded for as a, as a prospect. So we get six years over him. Uh, Pablo Lopez is two years, Sonny Gray. We traded for two years left. And then Maeda had four years left on his contract. And so they're giving up high, pro, high upside prospects. You know, we get up pretty decent prospect capital to acquire these five guys. Uh, but we have also received our reward with them. Uh, I like the depth that we have with these top five guys. You know, we're not throwing out a J.A. Happ or Matt Shoemaker uh, to eat innings. No Dylan Bundy at the back end of the rotation here. Signed for $8 million. Thank goodness seems, for that. You seem a little salty about that. Dude, Dylan Bundy. Oh, man. That man gave me a conniption every single time he pitched. But you've got a decent rotation. You don't have an ace. I, I, won't, I don't want to try to misconstrue this. You do not have a Jacob deGrom. You do not have a Max Scherzer. You don't have anything like that. What you have are two guys that are probably number two starters, two guys that are number three starters, and then a guy that's a number four starter. I don't know who is who, but that's pretty much what you have. You have good starting pitchers. Um, your depth is also really good. And these guys, majority of them are homegrown. 
Bailey Ober, he's a 12th round pick. This dude is 6'10". Six <laughs> ten, and he throws ninety two miles an hour. But the way he throws ninety two miles an hour is amazing. It looks like ninety six, ninety seven. He just can't stay healthy. Louis Varland is a great story. Fifteenth round draft pick out of Concordia St. Paul. Dude has added mileage onto his fastball. He's pumping the triple digits. He debuted last year uh, in New York in the New York Yankee Stadium, and he struck out Aaron Judge. This dude has some electric stuff. Simeon's Wood, Simeon Woods Richardson, who we traded for uh, Jose Barrios for. Uh, he had a wonderful season last year at AAA. He had a cup of coffee in the bigs, had a great start. Uh, Chris Paddock is going to be making his way back from Tommy John surgery this year, probably towards the end, might get a couple innings as a reliever out of him, but he's for next year. Uh, and then you got Josh Winder, who had some shoulder issues. And so the, the theme here is there's some injury issues, and that permeates into the starting rotation as well. But you've got the depth to back it up. Uh, no longer is it the Minnesota Twins where when your one of your starters goes down, you're throwing out a guy that doesn't really have any business starting in the major leagues. You have legitimate depth and that is a great position to be in. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like you've really made a, a, I won't say a 180, but really kind of looked at, okay, if we're going to compete now, we need a better rotation and they went out and got it. Yeah. Yeah. There's... I mean, Joe Ryan is Joe Ryan was good to have last year. He was kind of the de facto ace with my uh, injured, Ooh. Uh, but it's, it's nice that he's in, the number three role. It's nice that he's we're we're tempering expectations for these guys. None of them are expected to be aces. All of them are expected to give us a chance to win every single time they step onto the field. And I think we're you know we got a rotation of guys that should all have ERAs under four, and that's a nice place to be. Yeah. Now there is there's one thing I, I really want to see from the Twins this year. What's that? And it also is something I want to see from the Reds. I need to see Simeon Woods Richardson pitching because I want to see the jersey. How ridiculous it's going to be dude so yeah it's it's a little absurd to watch it circle around his nameplate but there's I one that was even better with, with the twins and carnosion strand i want to yeah because the twins lettering is bigger than the reds and so it was <laughs> even more absurd if you guys want something funny to look at just look at christian incarnation strand twins uniform absolutely amazing oh it's 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 going to be great i i think they've already made his uniform for the reds this year and it's it's just it's absurd <laughs> I want to see it yeah. so bad, which it, it will be noticeable or more noticeable with uh, Simeon Woods Richardson because he's a pitcher. His number, his name will be facing you the entire time. That's true. I'm very, I feel like I want to buy his jersey just to have that. Okay. Yeah. I just saw the Encarnacion Strands jersey and it's literally down below where the numbers are at. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I got I'm Googling this right now, guys. Oh my goodness. It, it's, it's ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> that is that is hilarious but like it you won't see it as much woods richardson you will see it every time he throws and i love that so much i'm googling woods richardson's jersey oh yeah it's not That's... as low but the twins numbers also sit low but it's literally well I mean, like, he's also back, like, jordan he's also big vibes he's also yeah, he's really a dude. yeah he's a dude but no, it, brings, it brings back jared saltalamaki vibes i don't know if that's a good thing or not just the name, <laughs> nothing else. The backup catcher. <laughs> anyway, guys, like that's the Twins roster right now. You really don't need much more tweaking. I think they made some good moves. They made some questionable moves, of course, and they made some high upside moves. Like you know, post Carlos Correa, I don't think we're signing Joey Gallo. But um, I don't think you keep most of these guys on the team if you don't keep Correa. To be honest, right. And so, um, like I said in the offseason episode, everything hinged on Carlos Correa, and so we have Carlos Correa. And so for the next six years, it should be pretty fun for the Twins fans because. 
they're going to be going for it every year. Uh, they can't afford a rebuild. They're paying $36 million to Carlos Correa. Well, uh, and, and, you know, the good news is you got two teams in your division who are virtually not competing. One team teams. that is just, I don't know what the White Sox are doing. Then you got the Guardians who are just good. So there is every incentive to compete in this division. Yeah, there's ample opportunity for them to leave or for them to win the division, which is just really, really nice. And I really hope that they do so. I really hope that they take advantage of it because uh, this this opportunity doesn't always come around. Um, but we'll see. You know, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, everything could change by the end of the year, but, you know, I'm sticking to my prediction, maybe even going a little more. Maybe I'm pushing it to 95 wins, but – uh, I'm pretty confident in about 85 to 90 wins in a division title for the Twins. Well, you're a lot. You're a lot higher than. I mean, this. You're living up to the name of the podcast. There's. I have seen nowhere that says they're going to be that good. Well, usually the projections are like they're going to be 81 and 81. Um, but now the projections are like, well, the team that's going to win this division is 82 and 80. So I'm not putting much weight into those projections. Yeah, I mean, they, they everybody always underrepresents the Cleveland franchise, and they always outperform. So we'll see. I mean, I also think that they are every projection is kind of solely underrepresenting or I guess overrepresenting how bad Kansas City and Detroit's going to be. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to be good teams. Right. Um, it might yeah. be slightly better, but they're just not going to be good teams. Detroit's going to be worse. Projections generally with the amount of times they're running their simulations aren't going to go towards the extremes. They're going to go towards the medium. Man, who would have so, thought? Who would have thought that's how statistics works? Huh. Right. Yeah. So they're not going to be projecting a team to win 115 games, right? That's absurd. Uh, they're going to be projected into win 95, a much more wow. reasonable number. Maybe the Dodgers they'll they'll project that. Oh, well, they would just project it because it's the Dodgers. But um, yeah. So that's the Twins roster, guys. That's really all we have to say on that one. Uh, we appreciate you listening, and we'll be sure to have some more content coming out for you. I think we want to we want to go over major moves of the offseason. We definitely need to talk about what the Mets did. Um, that was a huge, huge, huge offseason for the Mets, sitting new payroll records that are just, you know, as as Dr. Tra- actor, as Dr. Strange said, uh, hitherto undreamt of, um, which I threw into a college paper once. I was pretty proud of. Did, uh, did you get an A on that? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't care about that class. C's get degrees and C pluses get better degrees. Um, but we've got some fun stuff coming down the pipe for you guys. And the World Baseball Classic is just about to start up, and we'll uh, continue our coverage of that. But we're, we're like inching closer to like opening two day. Weeks away, yeah, like two weeks away. Inching closer to opening day as well. So hang with us. Baseball is coming back soon. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.